Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have an internationally known, incredibly famous artist and bull rider. And this dude is awesome. Wait until you meet him. He's got some stories. I can't wait for him to share them. Be right back. Hey, good morning. Welcome back. I have Mr. Chris Navarro on with me today. want to welcome Chris to the show. Welcome, Chris. Hey, well, thanks for having me on, Ken. Man, I, I'm I'm excited to have you on. I, I've um, First off, I appreciate you sending me a couple of YouTube videos to um, learn a little bit more about you, and we're going to share one of those videos here in a little bit, but Chris, I, you know, I started this show, I don't know, two and a half years ago, and it was to help people get unstuck. And, you know, we all go through those trials in life where we get stuck, man. And, and I, I think hearing how others get unstuck, it, it's inspiring. So we have a lot of rock stars already on here sharing this out already. I appreciate that. Thank you. Chris appreciates that, I'm sure, as well. So, Chris, why don't we um, talk about where start with where you were born and raised? Well, my dad was uh, 30 years in the military, so he was an uh, Air Force. Uh, and I was uh, actually born in Rome, New York, at the air base there. Wow. I lived there six months and uh, never went back. So we got stationed at the next base. So uh, I was stationed all over the United States because, you know, in the military, you know, it's hard to get roots because, you know, uh, you're transferred every two to three years. In fact, I graduated high school over in Europe at uh, Torrejon Air Base. So we actually lived in Madrid, Spain for uh, three years. My whole high school career was in uh, – that's where I started rodeo, and I started rodeo on the military rodeo circuit. Started rodeoing against uh, mostly enlisted men, you know, Marines and uh, Navy, CBs, and uh, hung around with some tough guys right there at the beginning. I was one of the youngest guys out there because I started riding rodeo when I was 16 years old. And, and you did this in Spain? I started in Spain. I rode in the United States, too. And uh, I mean, that's my first passion was horses. So I always wanted to be a cowboy when I was a little boy. And uh, I got my first horse when I was 12. He was given to me. Because uh, we had some friends that got restationed, and they had some horses, and they gave me one of them because they knew how much I loved horses. And uh, so I started showing and training horses uh, when we were stationed at Wright Pat, and uh, I joined 4-H. And then I really loved horses, so when we got transferred, I didn't want to go to Spain because I was just getting my horse training career going, and I was, you know, I was 15, 16 years old, and so we moved to Spain, and they had a stables there, and then that, and they had a rodeo club, and. I saw some guys riding some bulls in Bronx one day, and I thought, man, it looks like fun. I think I ought to try that. And I got hooked on it. I mean, I mean, bull riding and bronc riding, you know, you don't really do it for the money. You do it kind of like uh, you get into it, and uh, you get an adrenaline rush. It's pretty hard to beat anything else. So, yeah, I kind of got addicted to the sport because, you know, uh, the bad thing about bull riding is you're going to get hurt doing it. And it's just a, like they say, it's not 
if you're going to get hurt, it's just when and how bad. And uh, so I rode bulls, and then I went to college. Uh, I rode a Casper College rodeo team, and uh, I moved to Wyoming when I was 18 years old. Wow. I was uh, I was like um, I rodeoed all summer in San Antonio, Texas, around Texas, and you know bull riding is really big in Texas, so. I put everything I owned in a car. I bought an old Plymouth Satellite 66 for $250 and loaded everything I owned and drove up to Wyoming when I was 18 years old. Didn't know a person in the state. And I've been living here ever since. Wow. Yeah. And you went to college in Wyoming? Yes, sir. For bull riding? Well, I mean, I rode bulls in college. I mean, they had a rodeo team, but, you know, my, I think my major was animal science technology, basically. Uh, learning about livestock and everything like that. I didn't even take art when I was in college. I wish I would have. I never thought about becoming a professional artist until uh, I had that experience when I was 23 years old. I had an experience. And then, you know, I always liked art in high school. It was my favorite subject. But I didn't even know you could make a living as an artist. You know, I was pretty naive when I got started. Charles Coachman says it takes it takes a special man to say that looks like fun. <laughs> well, well, yeah, so... So I got interested in the bull riding and then, uh, you know, I was my real, I really wanted to be a professional bull rider and I gave it a try for a while. And, uh, I just got tired of not having any money and being hurt all the time. So I mean, bull riding kind of gets beat out of you. So I, my I, son was, my son became a professional bull rider. He rode bulls in the PBR. He made the top rung of bull riding, but you know, same thing happened to him. I mean, he, he got hurt bad several times i mean the bulls are so ranked nowadays you know and the pbrs at the top of the form they have one over in your place uh once a year they used to have yeah. a pbr event. i don't know if you ever watched professional bull riding on tv but it's a pretty big deal yeah i've i've seen it it's something that i wouldn't sign up for i'm just going to be honest <laughs> oh it's a young man's game it's yeah it's definitely his game and you got to be pretty lean i mean you don't see any big heavy bull riders. I mean, it's a tough sport, and yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, it's one of those sports that really isn't paid for the risk that the athletes take. Because <laughs> if you look at the, the professional sports, bull riding is probably one of the lower tiered athletes that get paid, and you don't get paid unless you win, yeah, or you get sponsorships now. But you know, I always say bull riding takes you into some deep water. So that's one of the things that's the draw of it is is, is you're doing something pretty dangerous in it kicks it at a, it takes your mind to a different level that you don't wow. get in every day. So, so, anyway, so like I said, I, that's what I started as I, I, my first passion was really rodeo. And then uh, I saw some sculptures one day by a famous Wyoming artist named Harry Jackson. And that's how I got into art. So, so you, uh, when you say you got hurt, I mean, I mean, it's 100% of the time you're going to be thrown off the bull eventually, right? Like, yeah, 100%. you got to get off the ground. I mean, you yeah. got to. They don't just stop and let you, you off. You can land on your feet once in a while, but it ain't that often, it seems like. So, but you know, you don't have a pickup man or anything. So, after the, if you make an eight second ride, you got to, you try to grab your wraps and jump off and uh, make it to the fence or get away. They have the, the bullfighters. That's why they have bullfighters. Like, wow. if you buck off a horse, a horse isn't going to try to come hunt you up. He's just going to move on. But you buck off a bull, he's going to come look for you. And if he finds you, he's going to try to put a horn or a hoof on you. So, Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah. That's how I got, you know. Well, you know what? I decided I, I, I quit riding bulls because, you know, 
I just couldn't make any money at it, to be honest with you. If I could have made money, I'd still be doing it. Wow. But, you know, you get hurt doing it, and uh, I've had a lot of injuries over my career, and uh, and I still get hurt once in a while roping. So anytime you're around horses or bulls that weigh 1,800 pounds, you know, you eventually, if you put your cards in the deal enough, you're going to get you can get the joker once in a while. So, um, but you know, I, I quit riding bulls when I was, um, in my early twenties. And then I, I, I started working in the oil fields in Wyoming. It was booming at the time. And, uh, wow. I mean, I was making pretty good money, but I wasn't doing anything I had a real passion about. So I was out, I had a roommate at the time and we went out hunting and we stopped at uh, a lost cabin in Wyoming and went to Harry Jackson who was a famous sculptor. Didn't know nothing about bronze sculptures, but I saw this beautiful sculpture at his house. He wasn't even there. It was a bronze of two champs, and it's a famous sculpture, and it's a steamboat. Yeah. And steamboats on, if you notice, Wyoming has a bucking horse on our license plates. That's steamboat. It's a famous bucking horse from 1900s. And uh, so I was looking at the sculpture. It's called Two Champs, and it was the most beautiful thing I ever saw, and I wanted to own it. I said, I want to have that. It's this cowboy spur and this bucking horse. It's just beautiful. I said, how much is that? And the guy goes, it's $35,000. I said, $35,000? Well, I can't afford that. Maybe I go make me one. So the next day I went in and I drove down to the art store at Godix, right here in Casper on 2nd Street. And I walked in there and I saw John Godic And I said, hey, I don't know about this bronze business, but I'd like to. Can you sell me all the supplies I need? And he sold them to me. And I took them back to my, uh, I was living in a trailer at the time, and finished my first sculpture. It was a bull rider. It was called Spinning and Winning. Also went to the library and checked every book I could out on, on sculpture. And you know, I'm a big believer in books. You know, yeah. You know, a lot of people think, you know, are you a self-taught artist? I don't like using that term. I'm a self-educated artist. I mean, I learned from everything. There's a great quote by Ben Franklin. I don't know if you heard it. He goes, "You show me a self-taught man, I'll show you someone who had a fool for a teacher." Because <laughs> you know, you learn from everybody. You know, you learn from other things. Yeah. Looking at art, I can learn from somebody or you know from a book. So. Yeah. I'm not really, I don't consider myself self-taught. I'm self-educated. So I started yeah. uh, doing my first sculpture. I finished it and uh, it was a bull rider. And actually I called it spinning and winning and I entered it in an art show in Cody, Wyoming. And uh, well, the guy at the foundry entered it for me. He said, that's a pretty nice piece for your first sculpture. Why, why don't you enter it? And I said, well, you know, uh, I don't know. It's my first piece. And it's, well, I, I, I was entered in the amateur division. I want a blue ribbon and $15. And I thought, man, I'm onto something now. And, you know, wow. I felt really good, a little bit of validation. So yeah, I kept starting sculpting and sculpting and getting my career going better. And then uh, in 1980, I, I met my wife, Lynn, we got married and I was still working in the oil field. And then I like to celebrate March 13th, 1986. That's the day I quit my oil field job and steady paycheck and became a full-time artist. I wow. hadn't really done, uh, I hadn't really sold that much art till then, you know, I, I just enough to pay my foundry bill. And I remember the day I quit that job and I went home. I didn't tell anybody I was going to quit that job. I'd been there for almost nine years. And wow. I just, you know what? And uh, I had a little boy. He was 10 months old. JC was my son. And, and I didn't know at the time my wife was pregnant with our daughter, Natalie. And I don't know if I'd have quit right then if I'd have found that out. But, uh, Anyway, so I, I quit the job. Like I said, I didn't tell anybody. I just quit. And I just said, uh, you know, if I, if I do art part-time, that's all I would be as a part-time artist. So that's what I wanted to become, a full-time artist. And then I, I just, every day I'd wake up and go work in this, my studio. I was in a, a little two-bedroom home and started making one sculpture after another. started getting better and better, you know. That's how my career started. Now, 
Now, were these these sculptures that you were making, were they huge or were they little desktop? Yeah, my first few pieces were tabletop pieces, you know. Okay. So, and I did all the rodeo events because, you know, I, I knew bronc riding and bull riding. And, you know, that was my first uh, really medium that I really worked in was, you know, making sculptures of the rodeo events. And uh, yeah. I should have known better because rodeo cowboys don't have no money and it was hard to sell those. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I branched out and started doing all kinds of different sculptures, you know. But my first public monument was of the Lane Frost Monument. I did that in 1990. Uh, I started in 1992, dedicated in 1993. You know, I don't know a lot of people that know bull riding know who Lane Frost is. He was the world champion bull rider that was killed at Cheyenne Frontier Days in 1989. And they made a movie about him, and Luke Perry played him, and uh, it was called Eight Seconds. And uh, he's still a legend now. I mean, he's 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 still talked about today. And that was wow. the first public monument I did. It was a 15 foot tall bull rider. 15 and, uh, foot. Wow. Yeah. Now I, I do want I do want to get because I I know is that the is that the story where you had all kinds of challenges occur during oh, yeah. the so I I do want to talk about that here in a minute um, that's in the second video you sent me I think I right. think that, yeah yeah you showed that video that video would explain a lot about what I'm talking about cause... well I want to show the first video first and then because the second I, I I think the second video was quite a bit longer if I'm correct it's five minutes the second one the first one is a little right around a little less than three minutes I think. yeah three around three um but I I think that um I do want to show show that one but um, I'd, I'd like for, to hear you kind of tell the story of how that all happened. But now I had a, um, my wife will remember her name for the love of God. I cannot, uh, there's a woman I had on here. That's a, she's a, she's a barrel writing champion. Everybody knows who she is. Um, she was on the show. Um, my wife will drop her name and I know you've heard of her. I can't, I, it's, I'm just drawing a blank. It's crazy. Charmaine James. Who is it? Charmaine, Charmaine James. Was it her? No, she has a she's blonde, real pretty girl. Um, Sherry Servi. Well, I mean, there's a lot of champion. Yeah, of right, right. Yeah, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. My wife talks to her, actually. Oh, Fallon Taylor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fallon. She's she's pretty cool chick. But um, so my wife's a, a big time horse. I told you she is a yeah. huge horse lover. Well, yeah. Fallon Taylor's the first one that started wearing uh, a protective helmet barrel racing. So yeah, yeah. She's she, the very first one that started really kind of uh, doing that. Now it's kind of caught on a little bit because you know you can get head injuries, you know, getting bucked off or whatever. Yeah. In fact, you know, that's another thing. You know, like all the bull riders, you know. All of them in the future will be wearing helmets because they, the PBR passed a helmet law. It's kind of like hockey. Yeah. So if you're grandfathered in, you don't have to wear one. But if you're you're born after 1996, you got to wear a helmet now. So, I mean, and helmets are a good thing. When my son started riding bulls, the first thing I did was buy my helmet. Oh, really? I didn't wear a helmet. Yeah. Oh, I don't wear a helmet. Nobody was wearing helmets when I rode. You know, we didn't have protective vests and uh, mouthpieces or anything. We just kind of just wore a nice clean shirt once in a while and get on, you know I mean? And uh, if I'd have worn a helmet, I wouldn't have got my front teeth knocked out. I know that. So helmets wow. and concussions, they save a lot. So but yeah. yeah, I know who found her. She's a world champion, but she's yeah. the one who started 
the helmets. She almost died, and she she told that story, like how she, she literally almost died, and it, yeah, it was bad. Well, they she said that they told her she was never going to walk again after her yeah. accident. So, yeah, my wife talks about you know she she never she never rode horses without a helmet. When I met her, she had two horses. <laughs> they're both they both passed on since then, but um, so so. You know, with the the so you started your your career literally riding bulls and being in the rodeo, and then then you moved into becoming an artist. And I love the fact that you said I never even I never even took art in college. <laughs> I wish I had, but um, and you became oh, a professional. I, I, I went back later on and took some night classes. You know, when I started, oh, to be, I learned photography. Uh, I learned drawing and painting and, you know, I took some composition classes, you know, I went back at night school while I was still working in the oil field and I decided that that's what I wanted to do. But wow. the whole time I was in college for, you know, going full-time student, I didn't take one art class, you know, and I'm just like, oh, well, <laughs> I never thought that I could make a living as an artist back then, you know, it never really entered my mind until I saw that bronze sculpture and it just lit a spark in me, you know. And wow. Why don't I, why don't I play this video that you have? I'm going to play that. And, and if we have time, I'll play the other one and, or we'll at least share the links <clears throat> so people can go back and watch that. But I'm going to play the, the first video now, but are you cool with that? Sure. All right. Hang on. Let's do it. Art of Rodeo, Rodeo is a book, book traveling, traveling in our show, show featuring, featuring works of artist, artist sculptor Chris Navarro painter Brandon Bailey, and photographer Randy Wagner. The Art of Rodeo tells the many facets and stories of rodeo using drawings, paintings, sculptures, and photography to express the excitement, danger, and passion of the sport. Using the legend and history of the Cheyenne Frontier Days Rodeo, this book tells the early days of rodeo to the present. I wrote this book because I wanted to pay tribute to my passions, rodeo and art. From the time I was born, I wanted to be a cowboy. I started riding Bronx and Bulls when I was 16 years old and later started team rope. It became my passion. It is what made me happy. Both of my children competed in junior rodeo, my daughter Natalie barrel racing, and my son JC roped and rode steers. He later became a professional bull rider in the PBR. I believe rodeo was actually a good training for becoming a professional artist because in rodeo, you need confidence and faith, the same two exact things you need as an artist. I created my first bronze sculpture in 1980. It was a bull rider titled Spinning and Winning. And my first public monument was the 15 foot tall bull rider memorial to champion Lane Frost in 1993. Rodeo and making art was never about money because I could not have picked two career choices that offered the least possibility of a steady paycheck. What it really was about was craving risk, challenge, hope, and excitement I got from art and rodeo. Some passions, they become part of who you are. They become your being, your identity, your sense of self, the thing that defies you, the thing that makes your heart sing. I did not have much money or anything else going for me when I started rodeo, no formal training. However, I did have a belief that what I lacked in talent and knowledge, I could make up with effort and determination. There are many things in our life we have little or no control of. The thing we do have control of is our time and energy. And we never really know what we can do until we try. Remember, every expert was a beginner at some point in their life. I believe success is accomplished through dedication, hard work, and a 
love for what we're doing. Because love, it's an emotion. You cannot be great at anything without loving it. So don't let the fears of the unknown keep you from following your dreams. Don't be afraid to embrace the struggle. Go out there, follow the dreams that gives your life joy and passion. Life's too short not to. All artists want to inspire others with the work. It is my hope that once you pick this book up, you might be able to put it down. The Art of Rodeo is a hardbound book at 272 pages and over 600 images. Price is $35 and $5 for shipping. If you want a signed copy, email chrisnavarrostudio at gmail.com or go to chrisnavarro.com. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's a new book. I just finished. It's my fourth book. Um, that's another thing I got into wow. writing books. Yeah. I started writing books about my art. And I mean, I didn't have any publisher coming to me and saying, God, well, you know, you got a great story. Let's do a book. So, you know, I've always been kind of a self-starter when it comes to things. I, I don't want to wait around for someone to discover me and make my success happen. You got to go out there and make your own success. So. I started writing books and uh, this is my newest book. It just came out in June. So wow. it's uh, probably the best book I've done. I, I, it's one of them books. It's, it's a, it's got almost 600 images and I look, I probably went through 20,000 images. I took a lot of them, a lot of them Randy Wagner took and uh, these are some old school photos. And then I went to the Wyoming state archive and got photos from over a hundred years ago of guys riding bucking horses and wow. bulls and things like that. It's uh it's an entertaining book. I tell you, once you put it up, pick it up, I don't want you to put it down until you're done. So, yeah. My wife wants to know if you ever come to quarter horse. You know, uh, I have when I was very young, I haven't been back there since, uh, I think my sister still goes out there, but I don't, I haven't been there. Yeah. I believe it was canceled this year. Yeah, it is. It, it canceled the, her. Um, well, I told you she used to run the Ohio state fair. So her, her uh, sure. friends with all them down there. But um, so, <clears throat> so and Charles asked a good question. Did you have any artists who inspired you or who were inspired? No, even when I, before I started doing art, I love Charlie Russell's work. Uh, he's one of my favorite, you know, they, you know, he had a, he had a, guy, a great sense of humor and just really talented paint sculpt. You know, he could kind of, uh, self-educated too you know i mean he was up from uh great falls montana is where he's from i've been i've done that show a few times the charlie russell show then you have another great is frederick remington you know frederick remington died very young he was like 48 wow but he left a great volume of work you know you see everybody that all these bronzes that are frederick remington's that are being recast now because you know the copyright of his life went off so an artist usually has a copyright of like 75 years on his work after his death. So that's why you see all these Frederick Remington's being for sale uh, everywhere. Cause you know, they're great designs. Yeah. And then, uh, well, being inspired by Harry Jackson. I mean, he's an artist that actually, I saw his work. I got to meet Harry later on, but you know, that just seeing that one bronze, he wasn't even there, but that lit a spark in me. I mean, I just saw yeah. it. It's, it was just so beautiful to me that I wanted to, it had a power in it that I wanted to have. So what was that? Was there before that, was there was there a moment prior to that where you were like, "I want to be an artist someday," or or was it just no. you saw that and you were like, "I'm going to go"? My mind. 
I saw that sculpture, to be honest with you. I mean, I wanted to make a living doing something I had a passion about. And, yeah. You know, my passion was I wanted to really be a professional bull rider if I could make it. And I was probably a better bull rider than I was a bronc rider. So that's why I kind of concentrated on the bulls more. And I don't know. I just wanted to wake up every day, be kind of my own boss and do something I wanted. I had a passion that got me out of bed and was excited to do it. You know, when I found art, that's been doing it now for, uh, you know, I've been sculpting for 40 years now. Wow, man. That's so awesome. And, and so, so when you did, and, and I apologize cause I'm not a bull rider. <laughs> I don't remember the, the really famous one that you did, the, the Lane Frost Lane Frost. Thank you. Um, so the, when you did that, you faced some pretty serious setbacks and challenges I'd love for you to tell that story about how, how that went down because you cover it quickly in that, in the second video, but what are some of the details that happen? So you decide Lane Frost, who's the most famous bull rider you said, like in the world, right? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's kind of like, you know, he, he was only 25 when he died and he died actually competing and he rode his bull and got off great and, and there's a great story about that. But, you know, he died in 1989 at the last performance of Cheyenne Frontier Days. In fact, he won second that day. And, uh, wow. The bull's name was taking care of business. And uh, he come around, Lane jump fell into the – it was kind of a muddy arena. And he got off pretty good. The bull come around and saw him laying, you know, down – you know, he was on his knees in the ground. And the bull spun around and had great big horns on him, you know, baseball bat horns. And, he run one of them through his ribs and his, you know, punctured his aorta and it killed him right there in the arena. Oh my but, God. Yeah. And so I was driving by frontier days, you know, it's at Cheyenne, Wyoming, and it's the biggest outdoor rodeo in the, in the United States. It's, I don't know if you've ever been to frontier days, it's 10 days long and it's, it's unbelievable. They, they open that buck and shoot, uh, I don't know, 150 times of performance because they got all kinds of events going through and it's, wow. it's a special rodeo. They call it the daddy. And there's a reason for it. In fact, yeah. this is going for a hundred and this year would have been 124th and was canceled because of COVID because they have so many people show up. So it's wow. the first time it's ever been canceled. I mean, it's, it went through uh, World War One, World War Two, the Depression, Spanish flu, even and now it's been canceled. So hopefully it'll be back next year. Yeah. So that's what the monument is. Well, anyways, I was driving by the arena and I and I this idea. I said, you know what? If I could sculpt any monument, I want to do a monument because I, I hadn't done a really super big piece then. And I thought, well, you know what I'd like to do is do a bull rider, and I do want a Lane Frost. So I called his parents, and they loved the idea. So I made a presentation to the Cheyenne Frontier Days Rodeo Committee, and I needed to raise, I think, about $150,000. This is in 1992, and uh, I needed to – I was going to raise the money by making small maquettes 18 inches tall. And I thought, if everybody donates $1,000 to the Lane Frost Memorial – I'd give them a small 18 inch tall maquette of the, it's a, called a maquette, the study piece for the monument. Uh, and so I thought that's all raising money. Cause you know, you just go ask somebody, Hey, do you want to give me a thousand dollars? I want to do this project, you know, but if you give them more than what you're asking, then you, you'll be successful. Right. So right. I went down there and gave a big presentation and they turned me down. They called me up. They said, well, let's think about it. And they called me up and they go, we're doing a great big add on to this wing of the stand. So we're going to pass on your offer. I said, well, how about if I raise all the money? And they said, well, if you raise the money, we'll take the sculpture. And I said, all right. I said, you guys build a pedestal. 
And they said, well, well, if you bring the monument, well, we'll build a pedestal for it. And I said, all right. So that's how I got started. So, wow. I mean, they told me, they told me no right off the, the first week I started the project. And then, uh, so I started working on the monument. I started selling maquettes. And I, I tell you what, once people started finding out about the project and that they, they were getting these beautiful little 18 inch tall bronzes and in exchange for the thousand dollars kind of sold itself. So I started selling enough of them and I decided, well, I'm going to do the monument. So I started sculpting on it. Just when I started doing the monument, my dad, uh, I talked to him and he said he was going to come to the monument. And, and then he suffered a stroke about a week later and, and he died from it. So I had to fly back and, we went and buried my dad, and I got pretty depressed about that. And then just wow. as I started getting, getting almost finished with the monument, it burns up in a fire at the foundry. You know, there was a clay heater warming the clay up, and I had everything done except for the base. And I was just sculpting the base. And I remember waking up at three in the morning, and, my, and I was living in a little room at the foundry because uh, this piece was taller than my studio was at the time. Yeah. So I, I was sculpting it there. So I was working Monday through Friday and then driving home on the weekends because it was in Cody, Wyoming. So volunteer fire department, I call them at nine. I call 911. First time I ever call 911 because my I wake up, it's hard to breathe and my room's full of smoke. I'm on the second floor. So I, I jump out this. I call 911. I jump out the second floor and uh, I'm pulling my vehicle away and I go around and I, and I see this big fire ball right next to the sculpture. It's just burning it up, melting it. Cause I made it out of an oil based clay and that oil based clay burns like a tire. So it burned like a really thick black smoke. And, uh, yeah. So, and I got pictures in the book, you know, I kind of show all the damage. It just completely destroyed the surface of the sculpture. And this wow. was on uh, March 6th and I had a dedication in July. So I thought, wow, you know, my back's against the wall here. So I ordered new tools and uh, new clay and the next, that very day and started working 16 hour days and, and I got it back and finish it. I mean, I finished it just a week before the dedication and I drove it down there. Wow. So every time I started feeling good about this project, something come along and kind of kicked me in the gut. So, but you know, I just, I just had to get it done. So I just, did you go ahead? Did you like, so it, you said that it started melting, the clay started melting. Did you, when you started back on it, did you use what you had already started with or did you have to start over? No, I had to redo the surface. Uh, the clay got melted. Uh, most of the clay, you know, it had a foam core in it, you know, that we carved, uh, carved the foam. So yeah. we used styrofoam underneath it. That was at the time now, you know, things are different now. It's, there's a lot of different ways to make monuments in the old days. The only way to do it was to, you know, carve the foam, carve a foam and then put like an inch or two of clay on it. Cause clay is very heavy. Anyways, that clay burnt up, you know, because it caught on fire because the clay, it's an oil-based clay. It doesn't harden like a water-based clay, like terracotta is yeah. in water-based clay. I use a uh, oil-based clay. I use a clay called classic. And it's a, it's a good clay and everything, but, you know, yeah. it'll catch on fire if you get it too hot. <laughs> and that's what happened. I was warming the clay up with an electric heater. An electric heater shorted out, started to caught the box on fire, and then the box caught everything else on fire. You know, there was a big wooden table. I had some Elaine stuff right with me. I had his world champion buckle and his shafts. Had his boots. His boots burned up in the fire. All my reference yeah. material and most all my tools got burned up. It was, uh, wow. It wasn't, I don't know. 
was a little bit devastating, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a deal breaker. So yeah. I just said, you know, I, I can get this done and got it done. And that, that, you know, I think though, that that's where, that's what separates, I don't know how to say this except for this. That's what separates winners from losers <laughs> because a lot of people would have said, this is, this just, this isn't meant to be, I'm, I'm not doing this. And you, you said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. That's not going to yeah. stop. Well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't think, uh, you know, if you quit, that's forever. So, you know, I just think that, you know, the ability not to quit at something is available to everybody. You know, it might take you longer to do something, but if you keep going at it and keep trying, you'll find success at it because sure. Everybody gets knocked down in life. Yeah. Everybody has struggles, but if you take those and you turn those in, into, you embrace the struggle. I even wrote a book called that. So struggles, you know, it made it more worthwhile. To actually yeah. have that sculpture done when I finally dedicated it, and it made it meant a lot more to me. I mean, I think you appreciate the things that are harder to accomplish than the things that are easy. Yeah. If it's easy to accomplish, if something's very easy to do, there's not a lot of value in that. It's the things that are hard to do that you you find more value in. That. And who doesn't want to reach down inside themselves and try something that they're not sure that they can do, but they, when they do do it and accomplish it? It's just the best feeling in the world, you know, and that's, yeah. I don't know how it's hard to explain like that, but you know, I like to, uh, in fact, that's one of the things I, I talk about, you know, there's a great book called flow and it talks about how you get your, your mind in a certain state where you don't think, you don't try, you just do it. And right. uh, that's the way I try to approach things. I don't, I try not to overthink things too much. Is, like I, is, I, I did a sculpture of a T-Rex. Yeah, that's uh, that's Is that it? Steam no, that's Steamboat. That's the one I did for the University of Wyoming. That's the bucking horse that's on our license plates. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm I'm yeah, pulling that, up. Uh, you did that one though too. That's that's so beautiful, man. Wow. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, that's uh, at the University of Wyoming. The <clears> Wyoming <throat> Cowboys and the, the sculpture's called Wyoming Cowboy. I did that in uh, just a few years ago. So if I, if I, I'm, I'm trying, oh, um, I'm looking at, I'm on Google images and I'm looking at some of your, um, is it on, it's on your website, I'll bet, isn't it? Oh yeah. In fact, you want me, uh, let me share my screen. I can pull up uh, some monuments and we can talk about the different. Yeah. Monuments. I'd love, love for you to do that. I think, uh, when you, uh, you know, visually see a lot of the work, it makes it a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So share your screen and I'll, um, I'll pop it up here on the screen once you do. All right. Am I sharing it now? Do you see it? I don't see it yet. No. Okay. Share screen. This comes up. So you don't see it yet, huh? Huh, you have to a little pop up will occur, um, and you pick your entire screen up. There it is. Hang on. <clears throat> there All it right. Is. There it is. All right. Well, here's some of the monuments I've done. We can go through a few of them. Um, yeah. 
I've done like 35 great big, you know, big sculptures. Wow. Uh, this sculpture is the 10th Mountain Ski Soldiers I did in World War II. This one's in Aspen, Colorado. Wow. It's at the base of Little Nels, and I, I did that uh, as a commission sculpture. This is, uh, I won a competition. This is called 20% Chance of Flurries. This one's at uh, Colorado State University, and there's also a, a copy in Casper, Wyoming. So, wow. so it was a limited edition of two. And it's a cowboy, and he's got a, he's riding his horse through a snowbank with a calf across the side. Is that is that was that um, real life size? It's one and a quarter. It's larger than life. Oh wow! So like that that, that horse is a sixteen hand horse. So he's more like a, he's 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 a twenty hand horse in that. Uh, so he's a big. It's yeah. a lot bigger than life. Like yeah. this is an elk. It's nine feet tall. It's larger than life. Also. Wow. It's a big bull elk. This is out behind our place here in Wyoming. Wow. You know, elk are really beautiful. This is the Lane Frost Monument. This is uh, me and the sculpture in uh, 1993, right after the dedication. Wow, this is, man. This one's 15 feet tall. Then this is a Colombian mammoth. This is a life-size Colombian mammoth I did for uh, the Washakie Museum in Worland, Wyoming. Jeez. They were... Uh, they've been extinct for over a little over 10,000 years and they, they've roamed all through Wyoming and they, they found one only, uh, there's a cache of them. They found seven Colombian mammoths killed by early man 14,000 years ago. And there's a, they found, uh, this is the first documented case where they actually found where early man was killing these, uh, large mammals with, uh, flints. Wow. Spears. So this is it. This is the finished one in front of the museum. That was me working on it. And then uh, this is that T-Rex I did. So you can see how big. Yeah, it's uh, 13 and a half by 28 feet. I'm wow. Whole tail kind of like joking a little bit. but So yeah. this is half skeletal and half flesh. The lady that commissioned this job it was for the Tate Museum, and she wanted light to come out of the sculpture. So I put an LED lighting system so this thing would have light coming out of it at night. My gosh. And that is that, um, how tall is that? 13 feet. And it's 28 feet long. Gee, many Christmas. There's another picture of it. And that's bronze? Yes. And, and it's uh, oh. one size. If you look at it from one side, it looks completely fleshed out. And then you look at it from the other side, it's, it's skeletal. Yeah. And this is uh, the, the memorial I did for Matthew Shepard. I don't know if you remember who he was. Uh, they started hate legislation about him. He was at University of Wyoming. He was a gay student that was uh, was murdered, and uh, he was from uh, Casper, Wyoming. And so wow. this sculpture came to me in a dream. I'd never done anything quite like this. So wow. I was delivering the sculpture, and uh, Matthew Shepard's mom uh, called my wife, and. She said that she wanted to talk about a memorial for her son, and I was driving back, and I was coming out. I was coming back from delivering a monument in Houston, Texas, and I fell asleep at, uh, at a motel. I finally just couldn't drive no more, and I kept thinking about this. And I had a sketch pad. I usually try to keep paper and pen by my bed, and because you never know when these ideas come to you. Right. Well, I woke up about three thirty in the morning. And I sketched this sculpture and uh, I wrote a poem that went with it. Went back to sleep, and I woke up and I saw it. And I said, "Well, I'll have to do it." Cause you know, I'd never done anything quite like this. It's, it's a very unique piece, you know, and it's got all these white doves. Yeah. This is 19 feet tall. So it's a big sculpture. 
I wish more of them would come to me like that, but that one did. So wow, this is a 15 foot tall bronze I did. This is where I went to college at Casper College Thunderbirds. So this is their mascot. This is called the Hayoka. This is an Indian native dancer. He dresses as an eagle. And, uh, so that this is, is the details are insane. Well, that's the great thing about bronze. I've got him. If you, you can't see it, but he's, he's all standing on one foot. So you got a 1600 pound sculpture that's 15 feet tall. That's all held up by, that's one of the great things about bronze is how strong and durable it is. Somebody wants to know, Joe Ingram asked, how much does that T-Rex weigh? A T-Rex weighed 5,500 pounds. Wow. Jeez. And then this is uh, the piece I did for the Greeley Stampede. This is a saddle bronc riding. And I kind of showed this horse hipping himself as he's coming out of the chutes, and this cowboy's marking him out. And it's called When Champions Meet. And this is at the Greeley Stampede. That's incredible. Then this is the one you showed earlier. This is another bucking horse I did. I like doing cowboys riding bucking horses, but I mean, that's not all I do, but it's sure a good subject matter for me to sculpt, and I really enjoy doing it. Wow. This is a, a peregrine falcon I did that's at the... Uh, that's beautiful. At the Air Force Academy. That is absolutely beautiful. And then this is a uh, the 10th Mountain. Uh, I mean, this is the Buffalo Soldiers. I did this as a monument in Cheyenne. I did this to honor the the Black Cavalry Soldiers of the 1800s. Wow. And this is a piece I did. This is an inspirational piece I did. I was in a competition for a monument for the boys' home in Moreland. And they had a climbing wall on the – and this, this is about young youths. You know, they're 12 to 18. They're kind of like – it's in a lockup. It's kind of like these are young kids that are in kind of a youth prison. Gee. And uh, I was trying to show that, you know, that, you know, you need to be self-reliant to get yourself out of this tough spot. And this is a piece that I, this was my concept for it. I didn't win the, this competition. I lost it. I, that's the thing about when you enter these monumental bronze competitions, you, you'll, you'll lose 10 before you win one. That's just the nature of it. But Gee. it was such a, it was a nice design. So I went ahead and finished the sculpture. This is the other side of it. This wow. is another one. University of Wyoming commissioned me to do. This is at the entrance to all the football players go touch it before they go and play. This is Eagle Against the Sun. This is a commission for a, a person too that lost someone they loved and they lost them flying. So I made this sculpture. It's called Eagle Against the Sun. Beautiful. And then this is me on my T-Rex. Uh, <laughs> that's my art bio picture there. <laughs> wow. Ties. I do some children pieces. This is uh, another horse piece I did called Joy Alive. Gee, many Christmas horses, dude. Yeah, that you are, you like your work is amazing. Well, thanks. I get to make a living doing something I love, and uh, it's not hard to talk about it. That's, that's when people say, "Are you going to talk about this for?" It's pretty easy. This is a piece I did for my uh, son's uh, and daughter's high school. It's called uh, they're the Mustangs. It's in Chona County. This is in the end zone, this big Mustang wearing out. Plus, it's also in my gallery in Sedona. So I have a, uh, an art gallery actually owned in Sedona, uh, Arizona, and I have an outdoor sculpture garden. I have probably, wow. probably nine or ten big pieces. So if you're ever in Sedona, stop by Navarro Gallery. This is another uh, life-size piece that I did. 
There's some more of that. These are a couple of life-size grizzly bears I did. This guy commissioned me to do this. He wanted some bears guarding his house, but they fallen asleep on the job. So I did, <laughs> did some water. This is a piece I did that was commissioned by Cal, Cal State in uh, San Bernardino. So I worked for sometimes, you know, schools and colleges would call me and do that. Well, there's some of the work that I've done. Jeez. Unbelievable, man. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, if you look, I mean, I've done, you know, I don't know. I've done 300 and some sculptures probably over my career. Wow. I've done a lot. Of wow. So I've been lucky to make that, make a living doing something I love. Thank you for sharing that. Really. Yeah. It gives everybody more of a idea about uh, kind of what I've been doing. Yeah. I'm working on a monument right now for Winnemucca. So I try to do one big monument a year and this is my 34th year. So I, I try to have at least one of those. It takes a long time to do a big monument. So a lot of hours. Wow. Look at this. Somebody said, I visited the gallery in Sedona. As a fellow artist, I'm deeply moved by Chris's incredible talent. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've had that gallery for 20 years. I appreciate people coming by. You know, I, you know, that's one of the great things about, that's one of the reasons why I opened my own gallery. I have so much work. You know, usually when you, you I, I was in a, a 10 galleries at one time. I'm in four now, but you know, usually when you're with another gallery, you know, you put maybe six, seven pieces in because they have all these other artists after it. So now, when, what does gallery. that mean? Is that like, um, it, that means that you're putting your pieces in there to sell? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm trying to sell. Got you. I put them on assignment. That's a, that's why it's, you know, an artist, you never know how much money you're going to make from month to month. So, so when I put my work in on consignment, I'm not paid by the gallery until the artwork actually sells. But gotcha. I have to pay to have it produce it, create it, get it to the gallery. And I mean, when I, you know, America is riding in a renaissance time now because of the internet. I believe, you know, there's more artists making a living uh, as professional artists because, in the, you know, when I started, the only way to really get known was through art galleries, art shows, and art magazines, you know, and it was expensive to get through all that. But now with the internet has changed everything. Yeah. You can share your work with everybody. And that's one of the, that's why I think there's more professional artists making a living in the United States right now than at any time in its history. Yeah. And you have a, you have a gallery in Wyoming as well. Yeah. I show in uh, three galleries in Wyoming. Uh, there's one in, one in Jackson Hole, Wyoming and, and one in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So the, those galleries all show my work. Uh, Wow. In fact, I don't know if you've ever been to Jackson. Jackson's about as pretty a place as you're going to see. I went. I right. remember when I went through, I drove through Wyoming on my way to Seattle. And <clears throat> all I remember is going up some giant mountain. And, and by the time I got to the top of this mountain, I mean, it was literally like you could look down and see a town. As you're coming down the mountain, you could see the lights of a, a town or a city, I guess. And I don't even, I don't know what it was, but like you could see it from, <laughs> as you're coming down. It was, you just described about a half a dozen towns in Wyoming. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was on the interstate. I know that, but, but yeah, it's such a beautiful state. It's so beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I moved here, like I said, in 1974 when I was 18 years old and I've lived here ever since, uh, 
Wyoming's yeah. a very unique place. There's not many people here. Uh, we're the least populated state in the United States. There's only 550,000 in Holston. <clears throat> Joe, probably some of the prettiest country you've ever seen. You know, I mean, there's just it's a very unique place. Lots of wildlife. Joe wants to know if you can make a bronze statue of me to put so he can put it in his backyard. <laughs> Ken, uh, uh, we'll have to put a bid, bid together for you, I guess. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So, you know, you've, so you've been through it, man. You've, I mean, the, the, just the bull riding part of it. And I know there's a lot of bull riders and, and, um, retired bull riders. Um, but I mean, retired bull rider at some time. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's pretty incredible because most people would never want to, that's that's a pretty dangerous sport. I mean, there's not many that are more dangerous. I, I that I can think of. So so you you've um, you've done that. Then you decided to become an artist, and and by reading books and learning on your own, and then going to to school along that way. You've had some serious setbacks making, well, at least the, the one. Um, what do you think keeps, what keeps most people from, from succeeding in life? Like you've pushed through it and, and you've become very well known in what you're doing. I mean, what do you think holds most people back? Uh, I believe their mindset. I believe, you know, that's probably the biggest thing. I believe, you know, your mind is probably the strongest thing you can have. And if you're mentally, and that's why I tell people like bull riding was really good training for being a professional artist. And a lot of them don't understand that because like, the, the, the same two things you need to be a good bull rider, you need to be a, an artist or anything else. You need to have confidence and you need to have faith. And yeah. I believe, uh, you know, if I see something, I feel like I can, like I, I learned how to fly an airplane. I got my license, learned scuba dive. I mean, all these things that, you know, I, I try to live my life with as little fear as possible. Yeah. I, that's a strong thing. And uh, I believe, like even now when I work, I work in my studio, I listen to books constantly, all nonfiction books. And I listen to probably I don't know, 80 to 100 books a year. And I just find these great stories and they inspire me and it makes the day go by where you get a really good book where you just want to keep printing. And I think that you program your mind that way. I think, you know, if you're around negative people and that's all you hear is negative things, you're going to be negative. But if you're around positive people and positive things keep going into your mind, you're going to have a positive attitude on life. It's easy to be negative. You can roll out of bed and be negative right from the start. It's hard yeah. to be positive all the time. And, you know, when, Things don't go your way, which happens all the time. You know, and an artist, you got to deal with a lot of rejection. Yeah. I mean, more so than you'd think. Because uh, people, you, you put so much time and effort into your work, it's hard not to take rejection personally because you've got so much of yourself tied up into it. But, you know, I I can't worry about what's going on in other people's minds. i got to worry about what's going on in my own mind. And so I try to make sure that I have a belief that I can do something and make it happen. And 
I write my goals and dreams down all the time. I just finished a piece that I've been putting in front of the boys and girls home uh, clubs. There's two of them in Wyoming. It's called Dare to Dream Big. And it's a cat. And he's looking in a mirror and he sees this lion looking back at him. Mm, yeah. And it's standing on two books to say the, <clears throat> the power of belief. And I believe that that's true. You know, I mean, if you think you're a lion, you can be a lion in your mind. And then that gives you that strength to push through any kind of anything that's in your way or tough. Like, yeah, I always tell myself, I don't have any choice in the matter. I'm going to be tough and I'm going to be brave and I'm going to get through this. And that's gotten me through so much in my life. Even when I get hurt, I got hurt really bad in a bad horse wreck in 2014. I, I got into this mashed horse race. I was on a ranch on some dude ran. I was supposed to do a sculpting demonstration. Next thing I know, I'm out roping with the working cowboys and uh, challenges me mashed horse race. I say, sure. So I get into this mashed horse race. I win the race, but this other guy that was taking pictures of the race, he let go of his horse and my horse T-boned him going about 40. And I, uh, uh. the horse flipped over and rolled over the top of me and I had to get life flooded. I broke nine bones that day. And and I'm thinking in there, like, and they were putting me in that life flight helicopter. I'm thinking, like, man, I got that dedication for that Wyoming cowboy. The one I did for the University of Wyoming was, was four weeks away. And I was thinking, like, man, how am I going to get through this? It would have been for my wife coming down and getting me and hauling me home. I was in the hospital for three days. And I broke myself up. I had to get a bunch of screws and plates in. And But you know what? I started just, like, every day, you know, get a little better. You know, get healed up, you know. And now... Like, uh, I, I was pretty stiff and sore for the longest time, but I start every day off with about 25 minutes of yoga every morning, and then it loosens me up. It's been a big saver for me, you know. I've been doing yoga for about eight, eight years now because I started getting older, and I've broken a lot of bones in my life, you know, <clears throat> all from rodeo and horses and stuff. So, Wow. I well, still feel like still pretty young you know i'm 64 now i'm just, i'm not as young as i'd like to be but sometimes in my mind i'm 30 you know man you don't look 64 at all well well ken i got more bad parts on me than a 56 edsel so <laughs> broken like 17 bones i think dislocated oh bone wow uh, 13 pins and screws in me and um I don't know. I just, you know, if you keep thinking you're young, you can stay young. And you got to, you know, if you wake up every day and you got a passion, you know, you know, who the famous artist is, and my, one of my favorite is Michelangelo. Now, Michelangelo, he died in like 1850, I mean, 1456. I don't know. He lived to be 89 years old, and the average life expectancy for an Italian man back then was 43. And he lived to be 89 years old. And you know why he lived so long? Every day he woke up with a passion and a purpose. And I think that's a philosophy that I want to buy into because I think that'll keep you young. And he's probably the greatest artist that's ever lived in my opinion. I don't think of anybody that has yeah. more talented or, or was able to accomplish more than that man did. And like I said, he lived to be 89 and you know, when the average person only lived to be 43, why is that? There's gotta be a reason. And he just had a passion. He worked till the day he died. You know, I mean, he was out there trying to make art the whole time. Because, uh, you know, uh, you find a purpose that's bigger than yourself and you just follow. He didn't quit. Wow. Dude, that's that's just, that's incredible. 
find a purpose that's bigger than yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm making all these big bronzes, you know, and I, I maybe got another 20 years in me and I'm, I'll probably be going down the, down the road, you know, and all these monuments are going to be around for hundreds and hundreds of years after I'm gone. And that makes me feel pretty good. Makes me feel what? like, you know, I've done something with my life that meant something. I, I have, I, I, I was going to bring this up and I thought, no, I'm not going to. And then somebody in the audience just brought it up. And so I'm going to throw it up on screen and, and see what, what you think. Yeah. All this thing that's going on right now, it's, it's hard, hard to, hard to fathom why they're doing what they're doing. You know, I, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to see, hopefully none of my work gets vandalized and destroyed, but you know, I mean, that's a possibility. I try not to worry about things I have no control over. And yeah. I really don't have much control over COVID. I don't have much control over rioters. Uh, the only thing I, I, I try to, I try not to be that complicated. I, I try to keep things on a simplistic basis. You know, I, I like to wake up. I live out in the country, so I'm by myself a lot. You know, when you're an artist, you have a, you, you're alone a lot. Yeah. So I go to my studio and I, and I work on my, my big sculpture I'm working on now. And I, and I listen to a good book and I work till I'm tired and I come in and go to sleep and wake up and do it all over again. You know, and I, I try yeah. not to buy this negativity that's going around us right now. Uh, it's hard not to. Yeah. And everybody's wearing a mask, you know, and uh, I think, like I said, I, I try not to worry about things I don't have a lot of control over. The only thing I yeah. can control is my effort, my effort and my mindset. And so my mindset is uh, I'm going to be positive. Uh, I know we're going to get through this. We get through everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've been doing this full time for 34 years. And I remember when I first started in 86, we had the oil crisis where the stock yeah. fell out of oil. And they said that all these art sales are going to stop. You know, you couldn't have picked the worst time to be a professional artist. I had another sculptor tell me this. And I said, well, I don't know. I can't control that. But I, you know, I got through that. Then we had nine 11 the art market took a big downturn then. And then, then we had the crash of 08 and everybody said, Oh, you know, we got through that and we're going to get through this too. You know, yeah. It's just going to take time. And I'm, I'm not, you know, like I said, you, everybody gets knocked down. You just keep getting up and you do what's the best in front of you. And, and you use some common sense. You know, I, I hate to watch the news anymore because there's just so much uncommon sense out there. It's just, I, I, yeah, I don't, I haven't watched the news in 12 years. I refuse, man. It's there, there's, they make their living by delivering negative, negative information. <laughs> you know what they say, Ken, if you, if you don't, if you don't read the paper, you're, you're uninformed. And if you do read the paper, you're misinformed. So, <laughs> right. Right. I, 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 you know, it, it's just, you know, there's so much negativity out there right now. I, I don't understand yeah. why, you know, we're living in a, and we have a, I've lived all over the world when my dad was in the air force when we were stationed in Europe and yeah. I've been to Asia, I've been to South America. I, I don't know of any place better to live than the United States. There's not, there's not, but we're, watching it slowly get kind of uh, destroyed in front of our eyes, you know, and I just don't understand it. There's so much possibility out there. There's so yeah. much, we have so many resources, people that haven't traveled around. You, you, you go to Thailand or you go to 
Colombia, and you see some of the people living in such hard physical and being so poor. You don't see any of that in the United States. No. Not like on that level, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that you know, you become anything you want to be if you want to be bad enough. Look at me. I, I have no art training, and I became a, a well-known, and I've made a great living as an artist because I live in this country. That's I don't know right. if I could do this in any other country. I, I don't know. It's amazing. I, I think then, that, um, what, you know, and I love what my wife said. You, you don't often see cowboys doing yoga. <laughs> That's, she said, good for you. That's awesome, man. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And, and, you know, Charles Coachman says I'm native American and I love your work. I know some feel cowboys are part of our racist past. Damn. It's our history. It's it's history, man. That's that's like it is. You know, and uh, the thing of it is, I had a DNA. My wife bought me a DNA test, and uh, you know, my dad, my last name's Navarro. I'm, uh, my dad was Mexican, and my mom was Anglo, so I'm about half Mexican. And I was the DNA test said I was 17% Native American, 23% Spanish, 12% Scottish, 8% English. You know, I'm a mutt, just like most Americans. You know. We're all uh, a mixture of everything, you know. Yep, that's right. So I don't, I can't control where I came from or my past. I can just control what's in front of me and my future. So, and I think if people had that mindset, this country would be so much better off than it is right now. I mean, people are trying to punish and for the past, you know, things that happened hundreds of years ago. This country's not the same as it was hundreds of years ago. No, but people. Are want to tear down these these monuments and it's part of our history uh, you know i'm really against them destroying any kind of public monuments so i don't, I don't know I, I i agree with you a thousand percent man i think uh again the the best way to repeat the past is to to destroy the memories of it and and you know we're we're gonna uh, anyway we we could get into a big political discussion we probably shouldn't <laughs> but you know i i think um man i first off i'm very very grateful that you um you invested the time with me today and shared your story with the audience and and i want to make sure that i put your um website address up here so let me do that real quick and um chris n-a-v-a-r-r-o right dot com yeah chris and, yeah oh, i did that wrong hang on a minute um want to scroll that across the bottom so there we go um chris navarro.com where are you um are you active on social media? Oh yeah, I've got. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I've got an Instagram. I mean, I've Pinterest. I've, I'm trying to do it all because you know, right now I've been trying to market. That's why I have so many videos. I made about. I mean, there's an art form of writing now books. There's art forms of making videos. There's an art yeah. form of making sculptures, paintings. You know, drawings. It's all. It's all challenging, and you know you got to wear a lot of different hats. You know, I learned photography when I was uh, first starting because I used to have to hire a guy to shoot my photographs of my sculptures, and it was like I had to drive 250 miles each way and pay the guy, you know, a couple hundred dollars. I started watching him. I was thinking, like, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> so I, I 
when I, this was back when you had to shoot four by five negatives, you know, and I yeah. bought me a big four by five graphic view and took some photography classes at the college, got to, got to learn to do the dark room. And I started learning photography because, you know, the thing everybody needs to remember, every expert, no matter what field there is, was a beginner at some time. That's right. So I think that <clears throat> I was a beginner in sculpture. I was a beginner in photography. I was a beginner in rodeo. And every time I keep working at it and studying at it and doing it, you get better as you go along. You yeah. don't get worse. And, you know, right. you just said that, like I said, like, even like, I, I love competing now. I still compete in team rope and then I try to keep it simple. I just focus on my target and take my first good shot. I mean, that's pretty much my simple way of looking at it. And it's been pretty successful for me. You know? So even after the horse rolled over you and you broke nine bones and had to be life flighted, you still get up on the horse and go. I got on that same horse, like, uh, it was three, three months later, three and a half. I couldn't get Did I the horse break any bones. Uh, he had a little bit of a vet bill, but not as bad. He, the horse he hit broke a bunch of ribs. I mean, Jeez. I think, I, you know, it was a big horse. He was probably 16 hands, weighed 1,300 pounds. And I think he didn't get hurt as bad because I broke his fall. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's I, funny. I hit the ground so hard, my grandkids felt it. So it's uh, just part of life. Wow, man. Wow. Man, Chris, you're awesome, dude. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, My pleasure. Go ahead and wrap it up. And and everybody go to chrisnavarro.com. I would imagine your all of your social media links are on your website. Um, but but yeah, go over there and, and follow this guy. And um, you got to get on the horse, you fall off. Or you got to get on the horse of... I, I think there's a typo in there. Um, rule number one. Look, everybody go follow Chris on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Chris. Oh, yeah. uh, I wanted to plug my new book, too, while I'm here. Yeah. So it's the Art of Rodeo. It just came out. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't even realize you had one more in there. And it's uh, 272 pages. It's got 600 images in it. And I promise you, you won't be bored. A lot of some of the things we talked about are in there, but it's just – Wow. It's just the whole sport of rodeo, mostly about Cheyenne Frontier Days, how it started in 1897. And, uh, you know, it talks about all the early uh, athletes and about how someone lost their lives doing it. And is that on – now that's on your website. Is that on Amazon also? I haven't put it on Amazon yet. I have a couple other books on Amazon. I, I, I'm going to go over there and do that. I'm just trying to sell a few through my website. You know, I'm self-published, so. Yeah. You don't feel like being self-published, I bet. You yeah. just, you know, you do the best you can with the book you do. And every book you do, this is my fourth book, so I've gotten better at it. And hopefully I have a few more books and a few more monuments in me, but I'm starting to get a little long in the tooth. And, but I plan on doing this until they throw dirt on top of me, so wow. I'm just going to keep doing what I do every day. And hopefully I'll make it as long as Michelangelo. You know, 89 would be a nice goal. That that's a, that's a great goal to have, man, or 109 even. No man, I, I'm not trying to be greedy here. <laughs> I mean, they 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 may have to put a few extra screws in you, but uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna keep open. I mean, everybody quits at some time. I mean, yeah. I get too too old to jump on a horse. I'll, I'll probably have to quit, but I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. How I many horse? How many horses you have out there? 
I got two right now. I got two head horses. I got yeah. Hank and Lady Bay. I got a Bay mare I bought. She's 10. Hank's 20. He's getting up there. But no, they're some of my best friends. I, I like being with my horses. You know, if, if horses like a person, if you, they go to the fence and horses come over and see them. Yeah. If they don't like them. They, they go to the other end of the pasture. So my horses always come over and see me, and I like them. And kind of like I spend more time with them than a lot of people. And uh, Yeah. I don't and they don't argue with me too much. Sam, so, Samuel says yes. He, he has three horses. He says you must let them know you're the boss, or they will lead you in the wrong direction. That's true. Horses can sense. Uh, like when you put a really non-experienced rider on them, they sense it. They know it. If a horse can feel a fly on his back, he can feel something like that. So yeah, right. Yeah, horses, you got to kind of you know it's just like with training dogs, right? You got to be the alpha and kind of like let them know that they're taking orders from you. I mean, if you want to have a good relationship with them, you know, you get them to do. I mean, that's yeah. why I like rope. I mean, you're going from zero to 35 miles an hour and trying to catch a steer as fast as you can. It's pretty fun. It's you get focused for that short time. So that's why I like call it being in flow. You know, I don't, I don't understand why I like doing it so much. I just do it. That's the secret to being happy. You just find the things you like to do and just keep doing them. That's awesome, dude. I love that man thank you i appreciate it stay with me i'm going to end the live stream but thank you to everyone who shared this out who's been here with us chris thank you for coming on i appreciate your time and your story is absolutely incredible hey well thank you it's a pleasure to share it with you everybody go over to chrisnavarro.com and pick up a copy of his book you're going to sign it you know it that's awesome i'm getting a copy of it today appreciate right. it. thank you Thank you. And thank you to everybody for being here. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chris, hang with me here for a second. Okay.